0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Secure IT, where we discuss all things cybersecurity, people, trends, and products. I thank you for joining us on this continuing journey. And I've often said on here that I would alternate between podcasts, products, and wisdom conversations. And today's guest firmly falls in the latter category of being wise way beyond her years. She's the <laughs> epitome of all things customer experience. And as if her vast experience in B2C is not enough, she's totally rocking it in the B2B space. And it would be mundane to categorize her as a marketing expert, and I would rather refer to her as a growth expert, and to use her own uh, cha- LinkedIn tagline, an ecosystem guru on all things MSP and channel. And further, from her highly successful engagement with Aurora, now related to all things of marketing of cybersecurity as well. And with that, what was probably the longest introduction of any of my podcast guests in the last two years, <laughs> welcome, <laughs> Jana Chance.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and as always, just an honor to chat with you and uh, your amazing team at Aurora.
0: Thank you, and thank you for all the great things you've done for us, and uh, uh, I know that our listeners will benefit from from the wisdom, and as we walk through. So, first question, right off the bat, uh, Janet, you know, walk us through your background, your career. You know, the various choices that. Got to you to head of JS Group. And you've got some pretty decent logos in your LinkedIn profile, if I must say so. And of late, a couple of prestigious board positions. So, yeah, it's
1: been, a, it's been a fun journey. Uh, but I love being an entrepreneur. Uh, so, I started, I always tell everybody, I started my career by realizing that technology was not being translated well for businesses. And so, I had started after a, a little bit of a career in the consumer goods space. Uh, I started my own consulting firm the first time, JS Group 1.0, uh, and then ultimately sold that to Motorola uh, and joined them as an executive, and then went from there to Verizon uh, and ran all of their channels and sales routes to market, go-to-market and marketing. And then I went to Office Depot and was their uh, CMO there and uh, ultimately went back to having my own business and, uh, and joining a few boards and uh, having good discussions. And I always summarize my career with one simple sentence. Um, I've always been engaged in the easiest way and the best way for companies to go to market and satisfy their customers' requirements. That's always been my focus um, throughout my whole career, and it's been just a great journey and just excited today to be here to talk about it.
0: Awesome. And, and um, can you just highlight a little bit about the recent addition of boards onto your... Uh collection.
1: Yes, uh, I joined the NGO board, which is a security uh, training company. They're really helping to shut down the hackers in their path by eliminating the 70 plus percent of hacks that come about from employee behavior. Um, because of misunderstanding, generally not bad acting right just misunderstanding and people, you know, not doing the right things. And then also at point, which is one of the largest Uh, Microsoft environments, um, security and collaboration uh, in the world, publicly traded. Uh, So that's a a really great thing. And just really changing business for enterprises and SMBs and how they collaborate, how they um, work in their environments in a digital first world. So two really exciting board positions, and I'm just honored to be on both of them.
0: Really cool. And then, you know, suddenly you belong, right? Ninja, cybersecurity. Uh, we had a guest on here a couple of podcasts uh, earlier, and they're doing some pretty awesome trailblazing yeah, stuff in the really cool. space. right? Yeah, and it's then, really cool. Um, it was said that, you know, insider threat, and, and you alluded to this, Janet, is, you know, knowingly or unknowingly, insiders are are the threat right there they, are, they and are. often say this It's they're like siblings you know you gotta love them but at the same time you can't do with them or without them so yeah uh, and we'll the next talk... generation
1: like not uh-huh. not to step on that but the next generation and, and that's a lot of what ninja appeals to because of the way that the lessons are formatted they're kind of like right. short form tv um the next generation is even less security conscious in many ways then we were we were not raised to share all of our personal information online uh, and the next generation to a large extent has right and they're very comfortable being a digital citizen and that leads Correct. to other behaviors in enterprise um, that put you further at risk so that's where i, I think that space is just beginning um, and we're going to see just a lot of innovation in the space of empowering employees to be part of a security culture and, and i just had a conversation today so i'll, I'll jump to that uh, with a large enterprise, and we were talking about um, their their company's kind of credo, their companies, you know, they people put it on the badge, they put it on the sign in the hall, right? Uh, they put it on your screen, and it's accountability, integrity, right? We've all seen these. Yes. And I said, well, it should also say security. Yeah. And, and it should be one of your major, major core values of your company should mm-hmm. be that every member of your team... Mm-hmm should consider themselves part of your security posture. And that's how you change it from a risk with your employees versus your employees actually beginning to, you know, almost um, function as soldiers in the fight for security. Um, That culture shift's a big one.
0: And, you know, as we transition um, into focusing a little more on cybersecurity and cybersecurity trends, and you, you alluded to the next generation or the current generation in the workforce, right? And and uh, generally the attitude is, you know, if, if, if it's a problem, take care of it. Why do I need to do this one extra right, step? Right. 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 Um, we came from having to do less and fast forward cassette tapes to our favorite song right, and, and right. everything else.
1: Exactly. And exactly. in this
0: world, it's, you know, put your request out to the universe and it shall appear, you know, either through Siri or through Alexa or a drone might drop it out of the sky for you. And and that mindset, Janet, today applies, you know, with the workforce in cybersecurity is that look, why do I have to worry about passwords, right? Just take care of it for me. And Google it for me, Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And Google and Amazon are starting to understand that and they creating are. paradigm shifts in authentication, etc. So in your current role, right? Balanced, and, and I'll group your, your board positions under Ninja, because that's one of my favorite uh, uh, companies in terms of what they do, and as JS group clients who are trying to position themselves uh, in the cybersecurity space, what are the trends and, and general attitudes and mindsets that you are coming across?
1: So the first thing I'll tell you is that, you know, and I think we all know this, there's no end to the creativity that the hackers will exhibit. Um, And as a result, there's no end to the amount of security solutions that come into the market. Um, Every day, every month, every quarter, every year, we see more and more, particularly SaaS security solutions coming in. But we're seeing three specific trends that I think are important. One we've already touched on, which is employee empowerment whether it's dual authentication, authentication, zero trust, um, training, right. All things to better enable the human, um, to have a better security experience. And I say security experience, cause I think that's the key trend here is to your point, people are getting a little tired of reset my password. I forgot my password. Uh, what is my password? Uh, you know, right. So, so I think that, that making it easier for people to be secure. Um, both in training, in authentication, in, in, as you mentioned in what Google and Amazon are trying to do to try to make it easier for us. I don't think anybody's cracked the code yet in security experience, particularly for employees, but it's, it's in work. The second thing is security is becoming a procurement um, element. So we used to see, oh, you had to have security experience, or you had to have a security insurance, right? Um, And it was, it was, a check in the box, right? When, when you were selling to a company, it was a simple check in the box that you were secure. It is becoming much more than that now. Um, it's becoming to a certain extent like Green IT is or um, diversity was, right? Where you had certain requirements and it was pretty rigid to qualify for those requirements. The security requirements and the procurement officer, the chief procurement officer, really starting to drive a different conversation. So it doesn't matter what industry you're in anymore, you have to be highly secure, not just the tech providers who are selling, but even the people selling coffee cups, right? Because they, they have access to data, they have access to facilities, they have access to systems. And so that's the second trend we're really seeing, you know, it's employee experience, it's procurement has evolved to make security more important even than price. Um, you cannot get through. I just was um, part of a deal where somebody got shot out of the deal because their security was not strong enough, and a, the higher-priced provider who had better security posture won the deal. Um, and that's that's a sea change. And then I think the third thing is the creativity and the innovation that we're seeing in the security space. Right? You know, we started with socks and. Um, endpoints and, you know, all the simple, simple security stuff. But we're really starting to see now people using artificial intelligence. And I just saw a demonstration that I thought was super cool where they're voice printing now. So they're beginning to use security systems that can identify your voice so that when you call American Express, let's say, as an example, and you say, no, this is who I am. And here's my social security number the artificial intelligence is actually capable of going through multiple recordings like this one you and I are doing right now, right? That are available publicly and saying, Mm-mm. that's not her voice pattern. That's not her syntaxes. That's not her, her pauses, her speech, how she pronounces her name. Um, and they're starting to big bring up through AI things that empower, for example, contact center agents to say, n- no, you're not that person, and this is going to cut out you know billions, if not trillions of dollars of theft um, uh, in the space. And so I think this this concept of artificial intelligence becoming inserted in day-to-day transactions and interactions to secure data, to secure your data, um, I think is masterful and really where the industry is going.
0: I was right when i said that this is going to be a a, you know fire hose of wisdom and so i'm going to take uh the the phenomenal points that you've made and i'm going to take them in bite-sized pieces and try to catch a breath in between janet so (laughs) very well stated um so you know one of the pieces that you talked about was you know security posture or security culture and today you know federal governments Our our state governments, of course, like California, was one of the earliest to bring in Senate Bill thirteen eighty six that said, you know, even if you vaguely suspect uh, some kind of intrusion, you've got to tell all your investors. Today, you know, the Feds have got zero trust, as you mentioned rightly, and Nest, right, and and um, the SEC is saying, hey, board of directors, your fiduciary relationship now extends not only from finance but also to the cybersecurity of the company and uh, insurance companies, for example, are saying, look, uh, multi-factor is a thing of the past. It's like you know trying to wind up the cassette tapes with a little pencil, right? right. Um, uh, today, it's, it's you know, beyond multi-factor authentication. It's continuous authentication. You talked about yes. voice spreads uh, with American Express. Uh, most call centers now can tell um, you know, if a person is stressed while relaying their security information and they can detect stress tones That's in the right. voice and therefore flag that as a fraudulent call. Uh, the company that, that owns Aurora, the holding company, does what's called a th- continuous authentication where we look at the speed, rhythm, and cadence of how you type. So each one of us has a very unique typing pattern and style. And it, you know, the, the 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 time between the first key depressed and the second key differs in milliseconds, and they build using machine learning and artificial intelligence a fingerprint. So they know who you are at all times, and every few seconds to check. Yeah, I know, you know, this person is in fact Philip, and can continue on. Right. So I can
1: continue. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. So continuous authentication <laughs> is a big deal, um, and you know, last but not least. Um, In the zero trust world, uh, we're having, and you are a phenomenal guest to take this question, and this may not have been in our earlier prep conversations, but... uh, On the cybersecurity side, we're saying zero trust, which is actually a terrible thing to say. It is. It makes you feel bad,
1: doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what better than to ask the the customer experience person the question? Uh, On the other side, I've got, you know, just near me and behind me, as you can see, probably about three dozen books. that say one of the basic tenets to building teams and, and growing things and, you know, working together is guess what? trust. So, you know, the IT guy puts on his, you know, his, let me get motivated by the HR person hat, and they talk trust, trust, trust. And then he goes to his job and he puts on his, his uh, IT hat, and it's all about zero trust, zero trust, zero trust. So, trust yeah. conflicting, time, conflicting times, seriously conflicting times. There is no, right. Um, and then as I transition to this next question, I want your comments on that. And then I will do part B of the 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 question as to you know the things that are happening today in the cybersecurity world that and how employees uh, can benefit in this space.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because so many people talk about the customer experience, and I'm so glad you also mentioned the employee experience. Um, yep. um, I think we all know, right? Zero trust, you know, is that framework for security that requires all the users, whether they're inside or outside the organization's network to be kind of continuously validated, authenticated, authorized, um, and have a validated security configuration and posture before they're granted or even keep access to applications and data. And while that makes a lot of sense for the CISO, that's a very difficult experience for the customer and the employee. And in fact, I was just reading some data from the National Retail Federation about how many people during their, was trying to hop up to um, uh, shopping for the holidays um just simply do the forgot password or check out as a guest because they don't even want to be bothered with the simple act of remembering a passcode right um or remembering account details and so they're checking as a guest and giving their brand new data every time and so i think we have this disconnect if you will it's almost a venn diagram of disconnect right where we all connect in the middle is we all would like privacy and we all would like our data protected but in order to have our data protected, we have to sacrifice a lot of privacy. And, and so what's happening in that Venn diagram middle is, hey, I wanna protect my data, but then the customer experience, the employee experience and the IT or you know corporate experience, those bubbles that are outside that middle shared value of I wanna trust you with my data, I want you to trust that I am who I am, are getting larger. And so we're starting to see um, a real disconnect between the users, both employees and customers. And when you get that disconnect, what happens is people open doors. Sure. So what happens, you know, my gosh, we could go back a decade to the target breach where they left a the door open for the HVAC contractor because it was too difficult to keep letting the HVAC contractor in the system. And so what happens is we're seeing more and more DevOps cause hacks. Because the DevOps guys are the guys that hate that the most in the employee yep. experience, because they're the ones that are, they're changing code. And oh my gosh, I got to reauthenticate, I got to re I have to go to a, I work with one client. They have specific machines that they have to use that only, they can only use those machines when they're making changes to code. Right. And so what happens is those very smart people start to make workarounds and workarounds are the end of trust. And, and so what we're really seeing is a culture shift that has to come where employees begin to believe that security is important enough to cause them the hassle. And In an industry where we've seen this Philip, is healthcare. Healthcare insurance is very difficult and yet we've all accepted it because it's our health and it's important to us. Nobody has a great experience with their healthcare insurance, uh, but again, we've accepted it because it's necessary for our, our long-term being and the trade-off is there. I think enterprises are going to have to get to the same culture and the same trade-off to actually achieve what they're trying to achieve in trust. Um, and, and I think we're a long way from it.
0: We are. Um, we probably need the equivalent of, you know, someone to invent the post-it note in cybersecurity all again, because yes. there's a drive for innovation, isn't there? Um You know, today uh, we thought it was a brilliant moment when we started introducing two-factor authentication, yes, multi-factor. And look at the number. I don't know about you, but I've got at least eight different authenticators on my phone. Me too. Between Google and Microsoft and your face scan, and I thank God the fingerprint's gone now. But
1: you know, it's a
0: lot of different areas, and then you store your password last pass and it just keeps going and going and going and and uh time for innovation uh to it be able to is. i said like, you know i'm almost
1: at the point where i'm willing to put a chip under my skin or something which i know is for some people just a horrible thought just so that i can protect my data and i can be authenticated without having to jump through seven hoops when i absolutely. want to order, you know when so, i want to order batteries online
0: Okay, I'm anxious to jump in right now, Janet, because you said it, not me, the chip under the skin. And here's why I'm amazed, because we think the same way. Walk into a doctor's office and imagine you have this little RFID chip, you scan it, it's your data, the doctor has access to it. As long as you're in that office, you walk away, it's still your data. However, having this kind of, you know bio slash technology chip scares the living daylights out of the average person, right? Average or above average or below average is generally intrusive. Um, in your mind, how do you position this, and this is a great marketing question, to be able to sell it um, and sell this new technological evolution to the world?
1: Right, I think we are. I think I think we have to. So, and, and I like to sometimes, attempt to set how people think about it differently. So I want all the listeners to think about being a parent. Most of us have been, and in Europe, one third of missing children only are found by the police. The other two thirds are never found. And the most common thing is, is sex trafficking of young girls, young women. Um, and in fact, in Turkey, they have an abduction rate of 14 cases per thousand young ladies. Um, so think about that, think about being a parent and your child's been kidnapped. And if they had that data, either they were wearing it or was embedded, I'm a fan of embedded because I think it's, you know, just naturally more secure, um, you could track that child down in a nanosecond. So would you think differently about it? If the situation was your child being kidnapped and most people say, yes, in that moment, I would want my kid to have that chip. Okay. So now let's go to the next thing. If you're having a health crisis and you're a non-responsive and you're unable to respond to emergency medical, and, and if you're me, me, I'm allergic to penicillin, right? And what I can't wear like enough bracelets to the things that I'm, I'm allergic to, right? I have a healthcare app on my phone, but wouldn't it be better if they scanned me and they were immediately like, do not give her penicillin, you'll kill her. Um, And I really feel that that's where we're going to get to now take it forward to going shopping in a store and right. And my credit card, not getting, you know, getting hacked, my, my data, not, not getting used. And I think you're going to see where at some level, some, some physical level, we have to have some type of security that makes this journey easier for people or people will just, not use it and 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 the losses are so extreme now right we just can't afford the losses anymore of lives of livelihoods um of data um and so i do think i think we're heading towards that way we started with software right and i think we're going to quickly realize that we require more than that it's right it's what you're willing to give up in order to have the game right and so i think we haven't crossed over that yet but um the more people that are hacked the more people have their identity stolen the more people are are pulling back and wanting to be more and more secure um and let's face it you can't put the genie back in the bottle so we're all carrying devices that listen to us um we're all using credit cards we're all shopping online we're all living in a virtual world the metaverse brings a whole nother level right, of security concerns um, and the metaverse is, you know, very real, particularly to the next generation. And so we're gonna have to come up with ways that, you know, that, that this happens. And I think you'll see metaverse characters start to have embedded security first, um, and then you'll see it parlay. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be metaverse first. That's very well said. And I'm, I'm hoping there's a 25 year old who's listening to this and launches a spectacular career uh, for security in the metaverse. That's something that we're looking at as well because that's the next big leap uh, for cybersecurity. Well said. Now let's talk about marketing for a moment and similar parallel leaps. Back in the day, uh, it was important and we spent a lot of time with content, just right. getting it right, getting it meaningful, getting it deep. Yeah. And through that content, we were able to attract followers and create momentum and critical mass and credibility um, online and social media. Today, there's a three-year-old who does a really cute TikTok dance, and she's able to almost, since he or she, yes. is able to almost instantaneously gather 3 million viewers. Can you comment on this, this paradigm shift thanks to social media, uh, where we're seeing literally orders of magnitude change in the way we either purvey or distribute our content and the way we parse it and Review it and digest it, please.
1: Well, I think the key to marketing has been and will always likely be an emotional connection. <laughs> those taglines that we identified with, you know, back in the '80s or '90s, they were emotional, right? It was it was always an emotional connection. And the same thing with the three year old doing the TikTok video. It's an emotional connection. It's the it's in that minute that matters. You get the content that matters and the connection that matters. And so. What we're seeing increasingly is that companies and people that are able to move kind of past content and into that emotional connection and then maintaining that connection with their customers, this is what makes marketing easy, right? I'll use a consumer example, Kate Spade. Kate Spade does a phenomenal job of communicating and connecting with their customers and using social media to stay connected with them based on what's happening in your social media profile. They're always listening, learning, reacting to the trends, to the market. They have one of the most successful email marketing programs in any industry because of all the work they do in social to truly understand their buyers. And so I think what, what we tend sometimes to forget, particularly in B2B, is that people still connect with people, we just don't connect in person anymore. And so what we're seeing is kind of a four-pronged approach to marketing now, especially as we have a, let's face it, challenging or interesting or whatever word you wanna use, economic situation with inflation and interest rates and everything else, we're seeing this four-pronged approach is really working. Content still matters, but it's at the end of the train. It's delivering content that the person needs to make a decision in their buying process, not delivering content to get eyeballs interested and so what we're seeing is the personal connection is where where people are are really um starting the journey now the buyer's journey is starting with hey philip is really interesting i want to listen to philip i think at some point in time philip's going to say something do something that i want to know so that that is very contrary to a decade ago when we would say "Ooh, philip shared some really good content about security right I, i'm I'm but no, no, Philip seems like somebody who's going to tell me something I need to know at some point in time. So I'm going to connect with him. Philip then, the second prong, continues to connect, doesn't sell, connects, connects, connects with me, right? And makes me believe that he has my best interests in mind. This is typical sales, right? Then he begins to go into into having a communication to gather data for me, information for me, and finally then puts content in front of me that will help me in the buying decision. So we've completely flipped the marketing paradigm upside down. Um, Used to be, I'm gonna slam you with content until you wanna communicate with me and then you'll connect with me and then I'll make a sale. Now we're saying, no, connect with us, communicate with us, finally we'll give you content. Um, So it's a really different process, um, but we're seeing again, intense levels um, of ROI from that approach uh, in B2B marketing now.
0: We're kind of sort of doing things backwards, but backwards is now the new right way forward Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of uh, community. It goes back to the old adage about relationships. You know, we today, you refer to it as an emotional engagement. Um, It's a a traditional relationship piece that, you know, I've got to be able to trust you using a much bandied about term. to now say, I can accept content and I'm getting exciting stuff from this. And I heard a great
1: saying, Philip, the Uh other day, Uh Um, one of the younger folks on our team, Ashlyn, who you know, who's brilliant uh, in the world of social, she said, what I think, and I'll say it exactly as she said it, what I think the last generation, so, you know, she may mean us, what I think the last generation doesn't understand is that you used to communicate to get information and our generation gets information to communicate.
0: Wow. Deep. Deep. Very deep. I love it. I'm going to use that as one of the taglines here, Janet. That's Mm -hmm. well done. So very,
1: very deep, right? Uh So that it's a change, complete change, right, Right. in in
0: how we engage. Yeah. So I'm going to flip back uh, a few pages in this conversation where you talked about the HVAC guy and, you know, hey, it's people. It's always people slipping up. And much like I say, um, in terms of, uh, you know, much used and bandied about uh, examples. Um potholes and 30-year-old marriages, okay? Um, you know, there's a pothole on the street, and the first day you're all fired up and you start writing letters to the city. By a week later, you know, you just work your way around it. And a year later, there's a guest that says, oh, my gosh, look at that pothole, right? And you go, oh, my gosh, yeah. But i just gotten used to it. And, and you know, same thing. You know, you're, you're married, you're excited, and everything's putting on your best behavior. 30 years later, you just toss stuff outside the laundry basket, et cetera, et cetera. Too much information for you, Janet. But you get my point. We as humans get complacent. Um, yes, we and That's what probably yeah. led to the HVAC door being left open with, uh, with, uh, with the target breach. And so I want to put this in context to marketing. We know what we need as customers and your clients, right? We know. But the reason that you are effective is that, you know, you coach us past that complacence. I can't wake up every morning. I can do it for about a week. I'm much too ADD to go say hello to whatever, 5,000 followers every day and click and, you know, share and and be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for 15 minutes that LinkedIn demands. Um, How do we, how do you address this? So we do it for
1: people. So, you know, we always say we're a better you online than you would be. Um, And I think there's nothing wrong with outsourcing. We outsource to a CPA to do our books. We outsource to a marketing firm to do, you know, content work. We outsource things all the time. And so I think we have to, we have to really think about, can we outsource our brand? And for some people, that's going to make them nervous, sure. right? You know, outsource my personal brand. I don't want to do that. And for other people, they understand that it's just an extension and that there's controls in place. And so we actually, for people, we will do an intake process. We will rebuild their profile. We will Um, give them content that they get to approve. We will engage, we will capture the connections, we'll create the enthusiasm uh, uh, for the person um, and and really help them to get there. And and I think just like that chip we talked about, you just have to come to an understanding that it's not wrong. Right. right? If it works for you, it's not wrong and it's not inauthentic if you're, you know, um, making sure that you have some supervisory capacity over what the person is doing, but it is how you have to communicate now. And most CEOs like yourself are not going to have the time to do that on a daily basis. And yet we need to, we can't have the company's brand be the only person out there having a conversation. People don't communicate whether you love or hate them. People do communicate with, with Tesla or Twitter. They communicate with Elon Musk. True. People don't communicate with Facebook. They communicate with Zuckerberg. Yep. Right?
0: You're, you're, so, you're absolutely right. We all want to belong.
1: Right. We all yeah. want to be the person. And, and right. that that's what gives the lift to that brand. Bezos and Amazon. You know, you could go on and on. And so you have to be the lift for that brand. It's your job. The shadow as a leader that you have to cast now includes casting that shadow on social media being somebody that people are willing to follow and that people want to have a conversation with and helping your company's brand get out there.
0: Love it. Well said. You know, it's basically I I own the car that Elon made, right? It's it's one degree of separation. Right. I belong. Yep. I got I it. Well said. We're very well said. Um, Great conversation. And, you know, sadly, the last question, I'm having way too much fun here, Janet, is (laughs) about, you know, so we bookend this and someone recently commented about the fact that this podcast is different because it's more about the person behind the product. And we've had some greats here, you included, who talked about being influenced by their parents. And, you know, how uh, we had one guest from Microsoft whose dad worked at Rolls Royce. And, you know, he brought that sense of perfection uh, into the products that he was creating for cybersecurity. So um, I love that. I thrive on that. It's about the people that then make the product. And it's a great transition from what you just said, right? It's about the people, it's not the company. And so, in closing, um, let's talk about you, relationships, you know, human influences on your career, family, mantra, core values, and last but not least, Star Wars memorabilia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it might all start with the Star Wars. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, you know, I, I am very proud to have been um, the daughter of, lost both my parents, but to have been the daughter of two people that worked very hard and were very professional and my dad was a huge influence for me because my dad was handicapped. My dad had polio. My dad was Native American. Um, he got polio after there was vaccines because unfortunately they didn't get the vaccines. Um, and my dad was handicapped and my dad never acted like somebody who had a disability. And so his lesson was always, if I can do it with one leg, um, you can do it with you know your able-bodied person.
0: Wow, and he absolutely. just never
1: accepted an excuse of, I can't. And he used to say, no, you're just saying I won't. And so I've really always taken that with me. There's no can't, there's won't. And sometimes, and I learned this lesson from him and my mom, sometimes I won't is a good thing to say, no, I won't, right. right? I won't, but I can't um, is a bad thing, right. It limits you. Um, And so I really, you know, carried a lot of inspiration from the two of them into my career to just be tireless and never give up The second thing I will say is um, now I find my kids to be very influential. My kids are adults, um, both highly functioning uh, adults, and I find the conversations I have with them are changing my perspective again, right, about what work means, um, about how digitization affects them, about how social issues affect them. Um, You know, I've watched my daughter vote with her feet. Uh, for companies that didn't align with her values, right? right. Didn't align with her core values. Right. Um, and, and, and giving power to that conversation has been just really, really um, influential. And so someone asked me last week what I thought those core values were. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that you know, between all those family and a great husband and a great right. dog and a great puppy too. Um, I think it comes down to, you know, hard work. Yep. Um, I've always outworked them and so I've always out-earned them. Um, is the statement I always tell people, you outwork them, you out earn them. So hard work has been kind of the bedrock of of my existence. Um, but putting your family first has been my other core value. So while I'll work hard, um, and to get what I get, I don't, I've never expected anyone to give me anything, which I think has served me well. Um, I also have always put my family first, and made decisions based on my family being first. And so when I think about the core family values, when your family's first, it's, it's love and respect and inclusion um, and, and things that you want to be as a good leader. Um, and I will wrap it up by saying my family motto um, is it could be worse. So to every challenge we've ever faced as a family, we've always had the, um, the feeling that it could be worse. We're actually very blessed and the situation could be worse. And so we're going to get through it together, right? Um, And and I
0: think that's important. Beautiful words. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much, Janet. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us on this episode of Secure IT as I continue the discussion with customers, vendors, end users, and employees, helping us to learn from their insights and knowledge and from their experiences. Make sure... To follow this podcast for free on Google Podcasts and wherever podcasts are hosted. Do DM me on LinkedIn or Twitter with feedbacks, questions, comments, and kudos. Thanks again, everyone, and see you next month.